postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Hey, 
Hey, Mighty One. With nearly 300 Breathful episodes in over five years, it may be hard to know where to begin listening to the show. To make it easier, we've put together the Best of Birthful series, which showcases some of our favorite or most relevant episodes. This is one of those. If you enjoy what you hear, make sure you subscribe. It's free, and that way you won't miss a thing. Enjoy. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. My guest today is Kimberly Johnson, who came out with a book called The Fourth Trimester, A Postpartum Guide to Healing Your Body, Balancing Your Emotions, and Restoring Your Vitality. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adriana. Yay. So I am very excited to be talking with you about restoring vitality after birth. And so give us a little bit of background for the listeners who don't who are not familiar with you. How did you get to the place where you're writing a book on the first trimester? Mm. Well, I, like a lot of women, was really prepared for birth and had a birth plan and made a lot of adjustments in my life so that I could have the birth that I really wanted to have. And um, then, like many women, also, I just was completely surprised by how difficult Um, the postpartum period was for me. And I had no idea that um, the potential physical ramifications would be. So I ended up with chronic lower back and SI pain, um, uh, hemorrhoids, fecal incontinence, just all of these um, super unpleasant symptoms that I had never experienced before and had not even conceived of experiencing. So I was told that I needed a full pelvic floor surgical reconstruction. I knew that there was no way that I wanted that. And I, and I doubted that that would even help me. Um, I started just, you know, doing everything that I could to understand what was happening with me. Cause I really knew that it wasn't just number one, a personal problem. I knew number two, it wasn't a women's health problem. And then thirdly, I recognized like this, there's something archetypal about this. There's something bigger than me that's happening right now that I just am trying to figure out. And so I started traveling and going to other cultures and mostly in Asia where there's very specific care for women postpartum. And I started to see that there was similarities among them. And then when I found sexological body work and somatic experiencing trauma resolution work, that's where I got the most healing and very significant, profound and efficient results. I just started realizing, you know, that when I searched holistic postpartum care online, all I found was like, I think like 500,000 entries on postpartum depression and that postpartum depression is real and that it exists. And I know about the history of women's health and how quick we are to call things hysteria or to um, assign them this meant it's easier to say it's a mental health problem than it is to address the underlying um, societal cultural framework that places women in a position where they're more predisposed to have difficulty. Even now, when I tell pe- people say, what's your book about? And I say, you know, I've learned to say it in many different ways, because if I say it's about the postpartum period, people automatically assume that it's about depression instead of recognizing it as a period of time that any woman goes through if she's had a baby or a miscarriage or a loss or an abortion. And so the book is um, the synopsis of my personal experience with all of these things, including prolapse, and then um, the case studies of the women that I've worked 
with. And those are called community stories in the book. So it's like, it's the book that I wish that I would have had putting together the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the sexual, um, the archetypal parts of all the changes we go through becoming mothers. Mm. So focusing on on restoring our vitality after birth and our topic today, um, you know, I think we need to define a bit what that means, because there's this great misconception that it's about getting your body back, getting back to like where how things were before baby, which mm. is you know not even possible. But there's uh, culturally we've got these representations that that is a possibility. Um, so I think part of our even our, this conversation of restoring the vitality after birth is defining a bit of, you know, what does that even mean? Mm hmm. You know, it's so interesting because in English, we say life force, vitality or life force. But that's usually just being used as a translation for prana or chi or these concepts of our vital energy, our essence, our, the thing that makes us us that are very obvious to anywhere where Chinese medicine is the foundation of of life understanding because the just like in India Ayurveda wasn't it's not medicine separate from spirituality separate from you know human development and so you know restoring vitality it doesn't necessarily look like becoming the person you were but for me you know my postpartum period lasted six and a half years and the way that I demarcate that is because that's when I felt like I had full access to my life force again and that my physical body was repaired to the extent that I could use it how I wanted to use it. And that I felt available to life in the same way that I had felt previously. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. Which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns Roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy-peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. 
Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com or look for it at amazon.com. What does restoring your vitality look like? And, and you mentioned six and a half years. What do you think is, is realistic in terms of expectations for a person to, you know, a- approach how long feeling restored might take? I think that it really, you know, the postpartum period kind of takes the lid off of everything that's not resolved. And then there's also some very concrete things that contribute to postpartum healing. So there is an element that one can control and prepare for. And then there's elements that one cannot control and perhaps can't anticipate ahead of time. Um, But if we are doing our part to do the preparation, then those things that are out of our control won't, won't create so much difficulties. And so, you know, there's so many variations on on what is creating the most challenge or or the biggest growth opportunity postpartum and uh, people for sure their eyes bulge out of their heads when I say six and a half years I think it's divided some people are incredibly relieved because they're like well that's kind of sound like that's the first sound thing I've heard because it's certainly not six weeks but you know, I think every woman who's been through it is like, how long is this going to be? And that could be when they're three weeks postpartum, or that could be when they're 10 years postpartum, and they're admitting, you know what, this really started after I had a baby, but I never took care of it. But in terms of things that are helpful for restoring that vitality, and how do you even prepare for that? Let's go first with with like restoring the vitality. What are some things people should look out for and sort of support? So in the book, I talk about the five universal needs, and those are what I identified across cultures where um, that these are things that every woman needs, no matter where she lives and how old she is and when she gives birth. It's just what women need after they have a baby. And the first one is an extended rest period. So that's 30 to 45 days to 60 days where a woman doesn't really leave the house. And she's mostly resting and still. And I, I really can't emphasize that enough because most of the time there, there are some people who come, fr- come through birth with birth injuries. But a lot of times what has happened is that a person has not rested adequately enough and then the symptoms ensue. So slowing down, resting. The second one is nourishing food. And that means warming foods, 
foods that, that are collagen dense and mineral rich and high in saturated fat. Every culture has specific foods that women are given after they have a baby. You know, in Korea, it's a lot of seaweed soups. In Hong Kong, it's black chicken soup. Um, all over the world, there's like very specific things that women are given postpartum, and that's to help the tissues rebuild. It's to help the ligaments, the 16 ligaments that hold the uterus in place. The third thing is nourishing touch. So loving touch. Every culture has a bodywork practice that goes together with the postpartum period. And then the next is the company of wise women. So women are surprised to hear, but I, I, everywhere I go, I tell people, women with new new moms with babies shouldn't be alone with babies for more than two or three hours at a time. Like to be alone with a baby all day, anyone is going to end up depressed and low energy with the diminished vitality because we're not meant to be alone in that period of time. This is where the village comes in and people kind of look at me like, well, this is all just impossible. Like, or either this is expensive or this is impossible. And we just have to get creative about it. Um, it's, it is possible. And even if you can only do 25% of what I'm saying, it will make an exponential difference because even if you can only afford to hire a postpartum doula to come one day a week for three hours, knowing that that person is going to come every Friday and that person is going to come to take care of you. You know, most people's postpartum plan is like my husband's got two weeks off of work and I just am like, okay, and what's your postpartum plan? Because two weeks is a flash and a partner is not a postpartum plan because they don't know the specific needs that women have postpartum and they're not equipped to, to fulfill all those needs. So um, it requires really making ourselves a protagonist of the experience and setting ourselves up for success, believing that our health and our body matters just as much as the baby's does. And that it's a way of preserving relationship and preserving intimacy. Yeah. And I, I know that for anybody who's hearing this and haven't, hasn't had a baby, that this sounds like, and, and, and you've had the same experience, that it sounds like, wait a second, how am I not even going to like get out of my house in 60 days? But is, is the trying to rest the most important of the five? Like, are they exponential and build on each other? So in Chinese medicine, you know, you, the essence is talked about in two different ways. And essentially, if, if we are yin deficient, which often happens in the postpartum period, then there's no life force to draw from. So the only way to replenish that is through resting and good food. But if you're eating good food and you're not really resting, so either that means you're, you don't have the, you're not taking the time to rest or that when you do have the time to rest, that your body's actually not able to downregulate itself, which is where the foods and the, the touch come in and, and relating comes in to help your system downshift. Um, then you can eat all the good foods and do all the rest of the things, but you don't really have that essential life force essence to pull to the surface to give you what you need for the healing process. And how you do it is just like people are now knowing about meal trains. You put together a chore train and you put together a friend train and you ask people to come and visit you and stay with you. And you realize that this is not an individual experience, that even if you have only a so-so relationship with your mom or your mother-in-law, as long as it's good enough that 
you you are going to need more help than you think that you will. New mothers need to be mothered. Everything that they're giving to the baby, the loving touch, the eye contact, the vocal intonations, a new mother also needs that. Mm. So where is that mother getting it from? And I really appreciate that that analogy of whatever you're giving, it needs to come back. <laughs> Somebody needs to give some of that back to you. Right. Um, and we, we make a mistake because we think that because, you know, where we are in our culture is like genders are equal and all genders, not just the binary gender. So genders are equal. And so everyone should be able to do an equal amount of things. But anyone who's birthed a baby and been in any kind of remote partnership or even not in partnership knows that it's not equal. And so rather than trying to turn the other parent into an equal parent, it would be better that that other parent protects the birth space, protects the mother, makes sure that the mother has what she needs so that she can attune to the baby. So in the concept of restoring, right, the the less, the more you can shore up ahead of time, <laughs> the less that goes away, kind mm. of like the less you have to restore. So what are some of the things that can be done during pregnancy to support that transition and help set the stage for this nurturing during the fourth trimester? Yeah, so I do recommend doing a postpartum plan. And, and what that entails is just kind of, number one, before you have the baby, having a couple of conversations with your partner, just talking about what do you think is going to be different? How do you both usually deal with stress? What expectations do you have of each other? What, what's your realistic, which are not realistic? In the book, there's even some like conversation starters and like ways to have that conversation. Um, you know, it's great to research in your area who are the pelvic floor PTs. Get a pelvic floor physical therapy session scheduled because everybody thinks, oh, that my muscles are just too loose. But is that true? And, and um, is there scar tissue? And do you need some rehabilitative work on your pelvic floor? Because essentially what's going on in our pelvis affects our mental health, affects how we're feeling uh, about engaging with our partner, affects how we're feeling about if it would be possible for us to exercise and what would be healthy exercise. When's a good time to schedule that visit? I know the six week is like when you usually see your primary care, but for PT, should you wait until then or do it earlier? What do you think? I usually don't see people till six weeks just because um, I feel like that's safer. You know, if people really are having huge problems, then I will make a house call. But I don't really want women even leaving their house before six weeks. So I don't want them to come to an appointment with me before then. And I just recommend that women, you know, they that you ask your you ask your practitioner for that referral because many doctors actually, you know, it's, it's confounding and it seems impossible, but a lot of doctors don't really know about physical pelvic floor physical therapies. So you do the postpartum plan, you get your resources for pelvic floor PT. And, and once you have the baby, like have somebody like figure out how to schedule that visit, what other things can you do? Well, you can have a postpartum doula. So you can, um, save resources or ask family members rather than giving you baby clothes to contribute to your postpartum care so that you can have somebody come to your house. You know, 
eventually right now we're trying to recreate something. You know, we knew how to do this. We used to live in community and a hundred years ago, this was obvious a woman had a baby and neighbors are just bringing over food because that's what you do. But now we're trying to restore these traditions. And so those of us who are at the forefront of it, we have to do a lot of educating. That's why the book is helpful because instead of our moms feeling like, why are you like, what's wrong with you that you can't take care of yourself? I didn't get help. Why do you need so much help? It's just, you can give the book and it's a common resource that you can refer to that gives the, the background on why this isn't luxurious. Plus, you know, we live in a culture that is so hyper self-sufficient that asking for help is seen as vulnerability or weakness. And so we really have to practice doing that. It's not comfortable at first. Yeah. And I think giving yourself that permission to receive the help is a huge shift. I have a postpartum plan worksheet that I give my clients and it's on the website too. And I actually call it a postpartum vacation plan for as much as we're hyper self-sufficient and go, 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 go and have to do everything stronger, longer, better. um, One of the things we do kind of know how to do culturally is take vacations And that's the sort of mental space where we give ourselves permission to actually do nothing, to sleep in. So I find it's helpful to reframe it as that, as like you're going on a very weird vacation. So I find that's helpful. And but we need a cultural shift. We definitely figure out how to get people to be okay with doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like so it's such a huge conversation and there's so many ways um, that we could be practicing it, you know, like if we were really resting one day of our cycle or on the new moon, and that really meant, you know, going inside and communing inside, then we would have a little bit of practice at it. Cause it's one thing to say, I'm going to rest. And it's another thing to actually know how to rest. And most people are operating in a very high level of sympathetic arousal most of the time. And so to be able to downshift and surrender to that rhythm where you're not being productive and you don't have a to-do list that's like getting checked off. And, and a lot of people have unknowingly connected their self-worth to those things. And so, you know, it's, it's a radical shift for everyone. And there are ways to practice this. You know, I mentioned resting when you have your period. There's also just slow exploratory sex, you know, doing sex differently, not having the kind of sex that's about 20 minutes and you do me, I do you and you get off and I get off and we call it good is like, you know, setting aside hours at a time because female arousal takes 45 minutes. Like we shouldn't even be penetrated until we're fully aroused. And a lot of women have never even experienced that. So, um, allowing for that time of connection and embodiment and breathing and rhythmic cycles is another way to practice um, the downshift and the relaxation, the loose, you know, I call it in the book, loosening your grip, like loosening the grip of this solid identity. So again, you know, we're, we're like, we're in a stage of reinvention. And I think a lot of people are realizing that, you know, we've moved most, many people have moved away from formal religion And there's a lot of attempts at sort of filling what that, what formal religion does for people, which is, you know, create a weekly ritual of community of some kind of devotion to higher power. And, and we're struggling as a culture to try to figure out how to fill that gap in and, and what goes there. So, you know, it's meaningful for people to get together, but 
what women really need is to hear each other's stories. Women need to hear from each other, like, what is it that you wish you would have known? Or what is the message that you, like, when you went to the dark depths, what did you learn there? And what are you coming back with? And what can the community gain from that? So the the last phase of a rite of passage is integration. And integration means that the person comes back from the proverbial mountaintop, which in this case is the birth scenario. And you tell your community, this is what happened there. This is what I learned. This is the animal I saw. This is the symbolism for me of what this meant. And in indigenous cultures, they consider that if you don't have that integration phase, that that person will be lost. And that person perhaps will have psychosis because they won't have any landing place for that new person, the new identity. It's not the same person that comes back. So that new person needs a home inside community. And that's where we're failing people. And and what we see right now is the outcome of, you know, a few generations of people not being recognized that this is a rite of passage, whether or not you want it to be. Like, you know, it, it is. And you can try to push it away and ignore it. But life is is both generous and cruel in that way. I, I think of it as a revolving door. That door is going to come back and hit you in the back again if you didn't get it the first time. Women are doing more than ever, but haven't given up any of their roles. And and most many women are finding they're like, okay, so I got everything I thought I wanted. Why do I still not feel that great? So this is a, this amazing opportunity to repair those things. Mm. And so much so, right? And and that starts with giving yourself the permission to create that space of resting and introspection and of sharing and, you know, back to the, the five universal needs that you mentioned um, with nourishing food and loving touch. So is there something that we, the, the, uh, relating to restoring your vitality after birth that we haven't mentioned yet that is important for us to say? It's a radical act as a woman to put our pleasure and our pelvis on high on our priority list. And there's a lot that stands in our way of doing that. And we come up with a lot of excuses not to do it. And when we talk about patriarchy and we talk about all of the things that need to change, like we can change that as we center our own experience in this transition. And it's not about being entitled. It's not about being a princess. It's not about um, being, you know, high maintenance. It's about being real about the gravity of the transition and what, and, and it's harder than ever before for women to have babies. Our birth practices in this country are not conducive to women having uninterrupted physiological births. And so that adds to the difficulty in recovery. Absolutely. And I mean, it is a radical act. And it's the first, as caregivers, your first charge of care should be yourself. Because otherwise the whole system breaks. Yes. You need, in order to be able to continue to taking care of people around you, you need to be taken care of. And so thank you so much for being on the show today. It was lots thank of fun. Thank you. Thanks, Adriana. You've been listening to a Best of Birthful episode, and there are many more where this came from. Look for episodes with the words Best of Birthful in the title to continue your deep dive to inform your intuition. You can find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com. And you can also connect with us directly on Instagram. We're at birthfulpodcast.
Birthful is created by me, Adriana Lozada, and is a production of LWC Studios. The show's senior producer is Paulina Velasco. Jen Chen is executive editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer. Ali Kiltz contributed to the Best of Birthful series. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. <laughs>